Thank you for joining us for Working Through the Word, a ministry of the Richmond Church of Christ. We should start with good morning, church. As Brother Mike said, I planned on preaching sermon like this on uh, May 22nd, but um, our Jesus decided to get to me that day, so we're going to try it again today. Uh, so we got the slideshow on there. This is the first time I've ever put together um, a PowerPoint for a sermon. It's not the first time I've ever preached. So if y'all can just bear with me and just let me know if like the text is too small or any other criticism about that, I'm trying to do my best on this. Uh, as was read, the scripture is from 2 Timothy uh, 4, chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. And I want to start with chapter 4, if we can. These are, these are the three points that I'm going to be focusing on. Leadership within the church, leadership outside the church, and leadership qualities according to the scripture. I'm just kind of laying them out so that we can just follow along. I don't want to get ahead of myself or anything else like that. So, if you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4. I'm going to read specifically uh, that last verse that we read, verse 5. Paul says to Timothy, But you be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Now, I am using the New American Standard, so it may, that translation may not line up with New King James or if y'all have a different translation. I want to focus on those last three words, fulfill your ministry. So when we think of the term ministry, we think of ministers, we think of shepherds doing their do, ministering. And while I think that in the context that Paul was writing to Timothy about, I think that is true. Paul was telling Timothy that, that to continue his work where he was at. I want to break down the term ministry, the terms that are used in uh, Greek, the original language. First word that's on here is diakonia. It's from the term uh, diakonos, meaning an attendant, someone who runs errands, a waiter, or in biblical term, in biblical text, it's usually used to mean a Christian leader. All these come from the same terminology as servant. And that means that ministry, the term ministry doesn't just apply to the ministers or even the shepherds. It applies to the people of the church because there's times where we do have to minister to each other as well. There's times where as brothers and sisters of Christ in the congregation and even sometimes between congregations and so on, we got to be able to just, we got to give service to each other. And that can be helping each other out with something, like housework, help each other. Like, I help my grandpa. Uh, we have his uh, dad's house, and we're just tearing apart the walls and putting new ones in. So that's a type of service. But then there's also, more importantly, 
in the church, this type of ministry is spiritual service. And what we can do is just work together. There's times where we're all having issues and we just got to vent and so on. Y'all are probably familiar with this story. It comes from uh, it comes from John, chapter thirteen. And I'm just now realizing I did not have this marked in my uh, in my pages here. This is on the Lord's Supper. John says, Now before the feast of the Passover, Jesus, knowing that his hour had come, that he would depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, the devil, having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come forth from God and was going back to God. Got up from supper and laid aside his garments, and taking a towel, he girded himself. Then he poured the water into the basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. So he came to Simon Peter. He said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, What I do you do not realize now, but you realize hereafter. Peter said to him, Never shall you wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, then not wash only my feet, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, He who has bathed needs only to wash his feet, but he who is completely clean, and you are clean but not all of you, for he knew who was betraying him. For this reason he said, not all of you were clean. The point of this is to demonstrate what leadership is in the church. A lot of people think that leadership in the church is just getting up in front of the pew and just me rambling for 20 minutes and then we dismiss or even being a shepherd. And I think that's, all those sermons are absolutely vital to learning lessons. And we have the people who work here that help get everything in, this, in these churches accomplished. Being a leader in the church is being an example. And that's what Jesus was doing here. The reason why he was washing his feet is because during this time, the apostles believed that some of them, that, that some of the apostles were greater than some of the other apostles. But Jesus sat down and washed their feet to show that he was being a servant. Continue on verse 12. So, he, so when he was, has washed their feet and taken his garments and reclined at the table again, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord. 
and you are right, for so I am. If I then, the Lord and the teacher, wash your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example that you also should do as I did to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, as a slave is not greater than his master, nor is one who is sent greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. I do not speak of all of you. I know the, the things I have chosen, but it is that the scripture may be fulfilled. Who, he who eats my bread has lifted up his hill against me. From now on, I am telling you before it comes to pass, so that when it does occur, you may believe that I am he. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who receives whomever I send receives me, and he who receives me rece receives him who sent me. It's continuing that same point, that Jesus, you got to think about it like this. First time I was reading through the Bible, I couldn't really get a good glimpse of Jesus' character until I got to Luke and John. And it was really this story that made me realize Jesus' purpose. I already knew from church and from these Bible studies that I went in youth classes and many other things that Jesus died for our sins. And I don't think there's any, I'm not going to say anything that goes against that because that, that, that's all the reason why we're in church is because of him. But he, he was sent here to give an example not only to the apostles, but also to all of us. So if you look at verse 14 and 16, Jesus washes the apostles' feet in order to understand that they, the apostles, are equal. Jesus was sent to earth to be that example to us. Verse 15. And sometimes it's hard. We got to understand that being a leader, the world tries to say that being a leader means you got to rise above everyone and, you know, just sit here and brag about everything. And if you're not raised in the church and if you don't know the story of Jesus, you're not going to understand that. And it's something that took me a while to understand myself. Biblical leadership to us isn't about our own personal glory. It's about servitude to the Lord and to each other. Another passage I like to look at is Matthew chapter 9, starting at... I'm going to read specifically verses 37 and 38. But to give some context before I read it, Jesus and those that were following him at this point... They went around from house to house, from different places. It would be healing those who are sick, those who, were, who, have, who have leprosy. And, he, and later on in that chapter, Jesus raises a young woman that was, that, well, was pronounced dead. And he walks into that house and says, she is not dead, but is merely sleeping. And they mocked him. And then he raised her. And I think it's safe to say they probably weren't mocking him after that. But here, here near the end of that, of that chapter, starting at verse 37. 
Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. I think for those who want to be shepherds, this is probably the most impactful scripture we can have. Because it talks about, Jesus often uses the analogy in parables about sowing the mustard seed into the ground. And that is the seed of faith that he plants in everyone. And that's something that we, need, that we do as teachers. We try to plant that seed so that we can try to save souls. But oftentimes, even, even when we have churches that are passionate, sometimes we don't have workers. And I had a little more to say on some things that we can do, but I do want to say that I learned a lot about leadership at VBS, other than just playing a couple kings and preacher Dan. It really taught me about the wisdom that you can find in the Bible about leadership. It taught me in their classes about what you need to do to be a leader. And I saw so many examples, just people stepping up. And, and either being a leader or offering service, in which this case that would also be leadership in its own right. If y'all will turn back to 2 Timothy chapter 4, I'm going to reread that verse again. But you be sober in all things. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Before I go into this, one thing I do want to mention is that this lesson about leadership in the church and leadership as a Christian, there's many examples that talk about leadership, and there's many letters from Paul, like in the book of Titus, about leadership specifically being a shepherd, being an elder or a deacon, minister, so on. But I don't want to really talk about that. Not because I want, I don't want to discredit anything that they do, because if we don't have a good leadership in the elders, deacons, and so on, this church probably wouldn't be standing. None of these churches would be really standing. It's up to the shepherds to use the scripture and to in turn use that to guide us. But I want to talk about leadership in its own right. Just service. Just way for anyone to be able to stand up and be an example. Verse 5 of 2 Timothy chapter 4, But you be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. You've probably heard this saying before, but when, typically whenever it's saying to, when the Bible is saying to be sober, it doesn't mean to not drink or anything like that. That's obviously, that's a given to not be drunken. But it's saying to keep a steady mind, to keep your mind focused on what you need to be focused on. 
to endure hardship. No matter what leadership position you take, whether that's within the church, in the congregation, as a elder, deacon, whatever, and even outside in the workforce, if you're being a leader out there, there's times where you're going to endure hardship. You have to stand strong. But focus on that fourth point. Do the work of an evangelist. So you're going to notice that I have kind of thrown around uh, Greek terms a little bit. And no, I'm not doing that so that I can get accepted into freedom and be like, hey, you're that guy that threw around a bunch of Greek verses. <laughs> the reason why I did this is to show something. And I want to just explain this and I'll tell you what I'm trying to say. The term that evangelism or evangelist comes from is the Greek word euangelizo, meaning good or well done, and agalos or agalo, meaning angel or messenger, to announce good news. Typically, evangelize is used to spread the gospel, which is where we get the term gospel, eugelion, from the same as yagalizo, meaning a good message. Some people think when they read these verses about evangelism, some people believe that in order to be an evangelist, you have to be a missionary, you have to go out into these other foreign places. And that work is so important, and I don't want to dismiss that. But evangelism, more often than not in the Bible, it's talking about local evangelism, spreading the gospel to those around you. Another scripture I want to read comes from the very end of Matthew, chapter 28, starting at verse 16. But the eleven disciples proceeded to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had designated. When they saw him, they worshipped him. This is after he was resurrected. But some were doubtful. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of age. Something I talk about a lot in some Bible studies is the importance of spreading the message. You know, as a church, we could be pretty faithful if we all just huddled together, if we just locked them doors and decided just to stay together, and we could probably follow a lot of these commandments. But except for the one really important message that's kind of throughout the whole New Testament, which is what Jesus says in that, in that chapter, go make disciples of all the nations. Make disciples who will make disciples, and so on. We could be faithful if we didn't, but still, we'd be leaving out one, I'd say probably one of the most important commandments in the scripture. And if we ain't going to follow one, we might as well not follow the whole thing. I think that's the reason why a lot of us don't know how to be leaders. At least for me, I was never really taught 
explicitly evangelism. I, was, I went to Rolling Hills Click Camp last year, so they taught me about what it means to be an elder, what it means to be a deacon, because they had all the elders and leaders from that church over at the camp. And throughout that week, we'd be talking about importance of biblical leadership and how to put together a sermon. And that's important, but that's not the only type of leadership that is in the church, and that's, I know I'm repeating myself and I get off topic, but I want to stress that point. Which is where I come to the second point, the importance of evangelism. It's leadership outside the church. Turn to Acts 2, starting at verse 38. Yeah, on the PowerPoint, I am going to say, I'm going to clarify, I, when I was writing it down on my notes, I decided to go a few verses back to give some context. We just, read this, we just read this earlier. Peter said to them, Repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children, and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. And with many other words, he solemnly testified and kept on exhorting them, saying, be, be saved from this perverse generation. So then those who had received his word were baptized. And that day they were added about 3,000 souls. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone kept a feeling, a sense of awe. And many wonders and signs were taking place throughout the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling the property and possessions and were sharing them with all, as with anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. Notice that earlier it said, in that chapter it says, so then those who had received his word were baptized and that they, they were added about 3,000 souls. The importance of having a lot of these programs like the Vacation Bible School and even a lot of these uh, multi-congregational um, activities like Challenge Youth Conference in February and Lads to Leaders earlier in the later in the spring. The importance for that is, for one thing, to teach leadership, specifically Lads to Leaders, but it's also the point to teach that if that whole organization, that whole that whole attempt to spread the message. If we can just save one soul from that, then that's worth working for. That's worth working day and night. I would do that. I don't know who else would do that. I, I know we have leaders in this church that work for these things. Every one of us, it's something to take in mind. 
next thing is, the import, is continuing the importance of evangelism. Something I didn't think I would find, I found an example in the Old Testament on the importance of evangelism. Though in this sense, in the New Testament, evangelism was given to the Jews, but after Christ was resurrected, evangelism was given to everyone, Gentiles, Jews, and God uses evangelism through his prophets in the Old Testament. Turn to Psalm 105, starting at verse 1. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him. Sing praises to him. Speak of all his wonders. Glory in his holy name. Let the heart of those who seek the Lord be glad. Seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his face continually. Remember his words, his wonders, which he has done, his marvels and the judgments uttered by his mouth, O seed of Abraham, his servant, O sons of Jacob, his chosen ones. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are all in the earth. He has remembered his covenant forever, the word which he commanded to a thousand generations, the covenant which he made with Abraham and his oath to Isaac. Then he confirmed it to Jacob for a statute, to Israel an everlasting covenant, saying, To you I will give the land of Canaan as the portion of your inheritance, when there are only a few in number, very few and strangers in it, and they wandered about from nation to nation, from one kingdom to another. He permitted no man to oppress them, and he reproved kings for their sakes. Do not touch my appointed ones, and do my prophets no harm. I have verses that I'll get into later that speak some similar things that Psalm 105 says here. But what I like to, what I think is, for lack of better terms, uh, reconciling, it's, does a, it can lift a lot of weight, a burden on, your, on a heart as a Christian when you read that last verse where it says, do not touch my appointed ones and do my prophets no harm. Meaning that God will protect us. And to our evangelists and even missionaries that are going out into these foreign countries where what, whatever wars, diseases, and many other things, and even us workers of the church, even here, he protects us. Even in the Old Testament, there are forms of evangelism, although it was used in a different way and purpose. Verses 1 and 2 and 7. And God has and always will protect those who do his work. And, and that is spreading the gospel. 2 Timothy uh, 4.18 can say, says kind of the same thing, that he will protect us, if you want to look that up. The third point is leadership qualities according to the scripture. And I want to ask this question by, start this point by saying, how can I be a leader? A good way to start is to have a life full of prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. If you've ever heard me preach, I try to insert this into any sermon that I can. 
because I think it's, it, it applies to me through what I've been through, and I think it will apply to all of you as well. Surround yourself with godly brothers and sisters. Proverbs 13.20 says, He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Put God first in your life. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6 say, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. But most importantly, this is the last one. And it's one that I've stressed through the entire sermon. Be the example to those around you. Acts 13, 47 say, For so the Lord has commanded us, I have placed you as a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the end of the earth. There's a passage, it's a whole well, it's a whole chapter. And I encourage you all to look it up when you get the chance. Hosea 11. It's sort of related to this sermon, but not enough to really, I could really find a nice place to put it. It really, the whole book of Hosea talks on God's character. And that chapter really spells out his plan from Exodus to even Jesus. Last thing I'd like to mention here is from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, starting at verse 7. Nothing, none of us are perfect. It doesn't take a Christian to tell you that. But as much as sin weighs upon us, we must be able to resist the temptations and strive towards godliness. What I mean by godliness is trying to not only stay pure of heart, but striving towards that perfection. There's no way that we can be perfect and totally sinless. At least as far as I know, I haven't found anywhere in the Bible that says there's a way. Until I go to heaven, I, go, I, I still kind of have to worry about sin and temptation. But it's something that we all have to strive for. And I stress those four points from, from, the, la, from the last point on leadership qualities. All four of those points not only can make you a great leader but really show you where you are in your spiritual life and how you can proceed. Just to, something I want to mention, added on with that. First, that verse that I read says that none of us are perfect. And every one of us whether we admit it or not, we got parts of us that we try to hide. We got the inside of us that has been corroded, rusted, beaten up by the world. However you want to word it, we've just kind of been, we've been worn by the world. We've been, there's torture that happens to us, maybe not physically, but mentally and spiritually. Whether that's in the school, in the school place, education systems, workforce, even in neighborhoods. And all of us have, have that part of us in us that we try to hide, that we try to just, when we, when we enter church, I'm guilty for it. I try to think, I just try to just push all sinful thoughts, any temptations, just try to throw them out the door. 
And whether I like it or not, I end up picking up a lot of my bad habits as soon as I walk out. And I know I'm not the only one that's like that. Today, if you're not a child of God, if you're ready to, as I was initially going to call the sermon, if you're ready to step up and make those first steps, not only as a, as a Christian, as a baptized Christian, but also as a servant in Christ. Our shepherds are here to meet with you. If you would come forward as we stand together and sing. We hope you enjoyed today's broadcast brought to you by the Richmond Church of Christ. We are located at 1500 Lancaster Road in Richmond, Kentucky. We meet on Sunday mornings for Bible class at 9 a.m., followed by our morning worship service held at 10 a.m. Our Sunday evening service is held at 6 p.m., and our midweek Bible study is held on Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you are in the area, we would love to have you as our honored guest. Thanks for listening.